Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. I want to speak to you this morning on how to create in our working world, part two. How to create in our working world, part two. I read a fascinating book that a Jewish man by the name of A.V. Jorich wrote. It's called Thou Shalt Innovate. Pretty good title, eh? Thou Shalt Innovate. And in the book, he talks about how Israel and Jewish people have, in, have invented a number of interesting things. The book's full of it. But I wanted to mention two this morning. The first one he mentions is a man called Eli Beer. And Eli Beer, when he was just 15, was walking with his brother through the streets of Jerusalem when a bus exploded. Six people were blown to pieces and there was carnage everywhere. And he decided, man, I need to become a paramedic. I want to make a difference. So he went and studied to be a paramedic. But when he entered the field of paramedics and of emergency services, he realized the streets of Jerusalem are so narrow that you can't get ambulances through the streets and so people die. One boy, the mother called and said he's choking on a hot dog. By the time he got there, the boy was dead. And he said that needn't have happened. And uh, so what he did was, he came up with a, what was called an ambu-cycle. It's a motorbike ambulance. And he called it United Hatzalah. Sounds Jewish, eh? Hatzalah, just like saying that. Hatzalah. Hatzalah. <laughs> and what he did is he equipped it with, uh, you know, with shock, the, the paddles and, and, and uh, GPS so they could find their way. And they could get through the narrow streets of Jerusalem. He presented it to, the, to the, 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 the ambulance service, and they said, no, we don't need it. We're not interested. So what he did was he started his own organization, and volunteers manned those ambucycles for free. Can you believe it? And this is what he tells his team to do. He says, I want you to think about every single patient as your own father or mother. Run to him like he's your own son. You see, the thing Eli Beard did here is he didn't wait. He created you can wait for the government to do something, for someone to come up with an idea. I tell you what, we need this in the townships because the shacks are built so close together they can't rescue people. And it's not gonna happen unless we create. Let me tell you about another man. His name is Avi. That's a good Jewish name. Avi Yaron. When he was 26 years old, he had a motorbike accident, interestingly enough. And they took him to hospital and they examined him and they found there was very little wrong with him. But they decided they're going to give him an MRI in case there's hidden damage. Maybe he's had concussion and his brain has been damaged. As they put him through the MRI, discovered he's got a brain tumor. So they tell him, you know, you've got a brain tumor. You have got two options. If we leave it, you could end up paralyzed and you'll live. Or if you don't, you'll end up dead. That's your option. So he says, well, tell me, you know, what can I do? They said, well, there's no instruments fine enough to operate on these tumors. So you just have to accept it. So you know what he does? He changes his diet. He stops drinking coffee. And he decides he's only going to sleep four hours a night. He don't want to waste time. The rest of his time he spends studying at a medical university researching his own condition. In the end, he opens a company called Visionese and invents his own instruments that they eventually used to operate on him. He survived four operations. He's now 51 years old. And this company is saving thousands of lives every year because RV didn't wait, he created. Yeah. 
God has called us to create. We've been made in his image. It's our mandate to create. We mustn't wait. We mustn't watch. We mustn't deplete our nation and just see what we can take from it. We need to add value and improve and build this nation. And everyone in this room has got a gift that you could bring. You'd be amazed what's in your life. You would be amazed what's in your life. You know, Jewish culture teaches people that they need to do good. That's why the Jews prosper all the time because they have a biblical worldview. They don't live life and drain the world. They keep adding to the world. That's why there's so many Jewish business people. Even in the prayer that they pray called the Elenu, they pray it three times a day. One of the things in the Elenu says this, repair the world. They pray that three times a day. But what do we do? We drain the world. And God wants us to build our world, repair our world, and create in our world. Do you know some jobs are also viewed as lowly. That's why a lot of people go to work. They say, well, I'd be very excited to go to work if they were paying me 100 grand a month and I was in a senior position. I want to tell you the Bible talks about all kinds of workers being noble. So I want to read you a few texts this morning and I'm going to give you some practical things. But let's just build a little bit of a picture. Give me a few minutes here and then we'll continue. Are you with me? So Isaiah 44 and verse 12, the Old Testament roots of work and business it says the ironsmith takes a cutting tool, watch this, and works it over the coals. He fashions it with hammers and works it with his strong arm. So labor and skill is not a bad thing. If you do a job that involves labor, don't see yourself as less than others. We need you. We need metal workers. It goes on to say he becomes hungry and his strength fails. He drinks no water and he's faint because work is tough. The carpenter stretches a line. He marks out with a pencil. He shapes it with planes, marks it with a compass. He shapes it into the figure of a man with the beauty of a man to dwell in a house. So he builds things that are both functional and beautiful. It says he cuts down cedars or he chooses a cypress tree or an oak and lets it grow among the trees of the forest. He plants the cedar. So before he can even work it, he's got to plant. The rain nourishes it. Then it becomes fuel for a man. He takes a part of it and warms himself. He kindles a fire and he breaks bread. Let's just pause there and I'll read further in the text in a moment. But you know what? We can see manual labor as a bad thing. But without manual labor, your life just doesn't exist. And the Bible paints manual labor as noble. It's all in your head how you view what you do. And if you want to go to work unhappy every day because you do manual labor, that's up to you. Yeah, these doctors in their Porsches and those guys in their Mercs. No, no, listen, stop ricking yourself. Just get a grip and go to work and realize we need you. You're valuable. Cleaners, sweepers, builders, bricklayers, painters, they're incredibly valuable. We can't all use our minds and be thinkers. Some people rise to a different kind of level. We can't all be brain surgeons or doctors, but we can all create. God's made us to create and it's hard. It's hard work. It's a long process. But God's given us resources in the earth as we read here. But here's where the problem comes in. The text goes on. It says in verse 15, also he makes a God and worships it. He makes it an idol and falls down before it. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over the, over the half he eats meat, he roasts it and is satisfied. Also he warms himself and says, aha, I'm warm. I've seen the fire. 
And the rest of it he makes into a god, his idol, and falls down to it and worships it. He prays to it and says, deliver me for you are my God. You know what our problem today is? It's not work. It's we worship our work. We think our work is to be worshipped. No, it's not. God is to be worshipped through our work. And you lose your way and you misunderstand the plan and purpose of God when you start to worship your work. If God doesn't use us in the workplace, what good are we on the earth? And we can't just take from this country and take from the earth. We need to bring back. Even things that have been built already need to be maintained. You know, the infrastructure of this country is breaking down. Why? Because everyone says, give, give, give. No, no, you've got to bring. Hmm? I was reading about the Great Wall of China. It's a massive, massive thing built over centuries ago from east to west across the border of China with its enemies. 6,200 kilometers of actual wall, 359 kilometers of trenches, and 2,200 of natural defensive barriers like mountains. But what most people don't know is that the reason that wall is still standing is because it's been maintained over centuries. The Ming Dynasty rebuilt a whole section of it. So you don't just build something once and it lasts forever. You have to keep recreating. Otherwise, it'll break down. Do you notice our country is breaking down? What's the answer? Complaining? No. Create. Go to work and create. Don't just create a salary, but create something more because that's why you're on the earth. You know, when God created the earth, it didn't just grow, because this is what a lot of people tell me, if we could just, you know, if I could just retire early and ask him, what then? Now, then I'd go sit on the beach. Oh. Or I'd go into the country as if you could just sit on a beach or go into the country and life's just gonna look after you. Doesn't, excuse me, what universe were you born in? It doesn't work that way. But yet we live like that. Now, this is what the Bible says in Genesis. Let me, let me paint a picture here so that you understand what our role is in the world. It says, now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. Watch this. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth. Watch. And there was no one to work the ground. So God creates a world, but it doesn't fully function because it's not complete. And it says, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Now, here's the key. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. You see, the role of man is to develop the earth. Even though this was a paradise, it wouldn't flourish without work. And we bring something through our work, we add value, and it's God's design. So you need to work, you need to do business, and you need to create. Look at your neighbor, say, ouch or amen. Sunday Adelijah, who I've mentioned several times, has written over 300 books. I think he's got something to say. He says, everybody must work, even if you're not working for money. You must work to actualize yourself. You become something through your work. You know why? It's God's design. You say, but they don't pay me enough. Payment is secondary to purpose. So let me give you some keys to creating in your work world. Firstly, number one. Believe in the goodness of work and business. You've got to believe that work and business is good, not bad. People will tell you that what you're doing is bad. No, it's not. It's the best thing you could be doing. Phil Graham is a 
US economist, and he said this, he said, government is not the generator of economic growth, working people are. Country doesn't grow through the government, it grows through working people. That's why business and work is good, because it grows an economy, it grows a country. And we're not here to just take from the country and expect the government to give us everything, we're here to add value. Isn't that true? And all of us have tendencies, let me say this, all of us in this room tend to laziness. At times when I have to tell myself, hey, stop being lazy. You say, how do I know I'm being lazy? Lazy, the definition of laziness is resting before you're tired. At times when I want to rest before I'm tired. And I have to tell myself, you are not tired. In fact, work energizes you. Ask any person who trains people, physical training, our trainers in church, we've got a lot of people who run gyms and personal trainers, they'll tell you, if you work the whole day in an office and you come home tired, the worst thing you could do is go and sit on the couch. The best thing to do is to go for a run or a walk. You come back more energized. And work is the same. You wake up, oh, I've got to go to work. Uh oh, I oh, so off to work I go. You sing that song? No, you need to go to work. I'm tired, but I will. That attitude will bring energy to you. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It says in Proverbs 18, a lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. Because when you're not adding to it, the opposite is you're destroying it. Isn't that true? In Proverbs 6 and Proverbs 24, exact same verse, watch this, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. It tells me that when I chill, poverty comes. It doesn't tell me that capitalism and business cause poverty. Don't let people lie to you. Don't let them make you feel bad about what you do. It's God's will and purpose. And when it works best, it's pretty powerful. Are you with me? We need to be people who work. Proverbs 14, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. I know that some of you work in places where they have more meetings than do work. I know, because I see it on TV. Every time I watch TV, and they're having this meeting, and then that committee is formed, and then that subgroup is looking into that subgroup and is investigating why this big organization has collapsed, so they're going to have another meeting. No, the organization is collapsing because they're having too many meetings. Because mere talk leads to. Bible is true. You know, our problems are simple in this country, but we complicate them. We complicate them. And across the world, they're doing the same thing. You need to realize the value of work and business. I was reading about this lady, she's a Christian, worked for Coca-Cola for 28 years, retired in 2012 and went to work for another company. Her name is Bonnie Versbacher. She was the senior vice president of Coke. I mean, you know, it's a big organization to work for. She said this, she said, as the sole source of wealth creation in the world, business enables every other social, civic, and even spiritual institution to exist. So business causes social, civic, and, and even churches to exist. If it wasn't for business, we wouldn't be in this building because you wouldn't have money to donate that we could build a building we could all be in. We'd be meeting in the field. She goes on to say this, you don't get meaning from your work, you bring meaning to your work. 
It's like trying to find, I'm, I'm gonna marry so-and-so and they're gonna make me happy. Dream on, baby. Now you bring something to a marriage, you don't expect something from it. As people go to work, I, I'm not happy. Who said that employing you and paying you would make you happy? You do it. And then there's a satisfaction that comes. Do you know that not even ministry is always enjoyable? You don't get up and speak to people and you go, I feel so stimulated. Now you normally think, gee, what a, what a waste of time. They didn't seem to be listening. Some people were, some were making notes. One guy was dozing off. Sounds like complained in the fire. Wow. What if I should preach next week? You go through that. And then the other times you're like, I'm walking on sunshine. <laughs> Can't live life because it's work. Am I making sense? So you've got to believe in the goodness of work and business. And every job is good. Yeah, reread you Job 28 here, because it talks about, because business is the engine for sustaining our world. Job 28, there is a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. Watch this, iron is taken from the earth and copper is smelted from all. Now love this, mortals put an end to the darkness, not animals, mortals, people. They search out the farthest recesses of all in the blackest darkness, far from human dwellings, they cut a shaft in places untouched by human feet. Far from other people, they dangle and sway. It's dangerous to do some work. And when you do dangerous work, people make it, it's unfair. No, someone's got to do it. If we didn't have all, we wouldn't have cars. We wouldn't have desks, we wouldn't have a pulpit. You wouldn't have hardly anything in the world. Someone's got to do it. And mortals are to do it. Can you say Amen. The earth from which food comes is transformed. Below us by fire. Lapis lazuli. You all know what that is. That's a Hebrew word, eh? No, it's a blue gemstone. It says, comes from its rocks and dust contains nuggets of gold. No bird of prey knows the hidden path. No falcon's eye is seen. Animals can't discern wealth or create wealth. Some people believe we came from animals. You never see a baboon sitting going, I'm going to paint a picture. Would you just sit still? You don't see them. If we could put monkeys at lathe, they would have done it. Because people are a problem. You could chain a baboon or a gorilla, chain him to a lathe. You produce so many of these a day. Measure, measure, measure. You it's human beings with a gift of beauty. Hey, come on. Verse eight, proud beasts do not set foot on it. No lion prowls there. The greatest of the animals can't do it. People assault the flinty rock with their hands. Lay bare the roots of the mountains. They tunnel through the rock. There I see all its treasures. They search the source, sources of the rivers and bring hidden things to light. Animals can't do this. God expects us to create wealth. And some of it is very, very hard to do. So no profession is bad. All professions are good. It's your attitude that you bring to it. You're a sweeper in this house. No matter what you do, it's a noble, noble thing. It's just your attitude that you bring. Isn't that true? I love what uh, uh, Jeff Anduza says, a very good book called Why Business Matters to God. And he says here about business and wealth, he says, when the employer-employee arrangement is working properly, both parties benefit. This allows love for the other person to manifest itself. That's what happens at work. You show love for someone else. For example, let's say that I have a job sewing shirts 
in someone's factory, I can honestly seek the good of my employer and seek to sew as many shirts as possible for him along with attention to quality. And he can seek my good because he will pay me at the end of the week for a job well done. As in every good business transaction, he says, both parties end up better off than they were before. In this case, I have more money at the end of the week than I did before, and my employer has more shirts ready to be taken to market than he did before. And so we have worked together to produce something that did not exist in the world before that week. The world is 500 shirts wealthier than it was when the week began. You get it? That's how wealth is produced. You don't vote a party in and then they make wealth. <coughs> you make it every day by creating with an employer or with your own company. He says, together we have created some new wealth in the world. This is a small example of obeying God's call to subdue the earth. Therefore, if you hire me to work in your business, you are doing good for me, and you are providing both of us with an opportunity to glorify God. You need to see work and business as good. Number two. In order to create in your working world, this is what you have to do. Be honest and integrous. There's nothing wrong with business, but there's everything wrong with bad attitudes. As a Christian business person, especially an employee, you need to be honest and integrous. Proverbs 16, verse 11, watch this. Honest scales and balances belong to the Lord. They don't say they delight the Lord, they belong to the Lord. And all the weights in the bag are of his making. So when you're honest, you're like God. Because God creates, but he creates with integrity. Are you with me? People say, ah, oh, business, it's dog eat dog. No, it's only dog eat dog if you are a dog. <laughs> but if you decide not to be a dog, business is good. See, the problem is business gets a bad name because of what people do. Marriage gets a bad name because of what people do. Church gets a bad name because of what people do. Pastors get a bad name because of what people do. It's not something wrong with pastors or marriage or business. We have to understand that some of the things happening in our world, we quickly run with opinion. No, we need to step back and say, hang on a minute, this is the problem. And the problem with South Africa is not business or capitalism. The problem is, is the lack of integrity and a lack of honesty, and it affects everybody. The fact that the municipalities are running to the ground, it affects the poor. A friend of mine told me that one of the municipalities in South Africa, which will re remain nameless on television, they owe KFC in that city 95,000 for the mayor's meals. I need to run up a 95,000 rand bill with KFC. Send me a bucket at Rivers Church. You people wouldn't stand for that. But why do you stand for it in the municipalities? They're there to work. They get a salary. They get an allowance. Surely not 95,000 rand a month to spend on KFC. ESCOM. It's not having problems because the world's having problems. It's been fraud, corruption, SABC, SAA. And guess who suffers? The poor. And it's not because of business. We talk about private enterprise. People say the country should be communist and should be this and should. Don't change the system, just change the heart. <laughs> See, business gets a bad name when there's nothing wrong with business. 
But there's everything wrong with greed and fraud and bribery and dishonesty. Notice what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 16. Do not accept a bribe for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the innocent. Follow justice and justice alone. Don't add your spin to it. So that you may live and possess the land the Lord your God is giving you. You want to keep this land? We need justice and honesty. Look at Proverbs 15 and Proverbs 29. The greedy bring ruin to their households, but the one who hates bribes will. So you'll ruin your own house, but watch, it goes on to say about the country. By justice, a king gives a country stability, but those who are greedy for bribes tear it down. It's not a mystery why South Africa's in the position it is. People will tell you it's big business. No, it's not. It's the hearts of people that are just taking and taking what they don't deserve. And it's running it into the ground. And we as God's people need to respect the mandate on us and go and create. When you go to work, you say, I'm adding value. I'm loving my neighbor. I'm glorifying God. Yeah, but my boss is terrible. Don't worry about your boss. You're not working for your boss. Colossians says you're working for the Lord. And from the Lord, you'll receive a reward. So you get your eyes on him and you love people and you watch what God will do for you. Too many of us put our hope in unions. Do you know what unions are for? Unions. <laughs> Some people think unions are for people. No, they're not. They're for themselves. They're monetary organizations that make a profit. And when they cry, the worker, they've seen income declining. So, Boston, are you bold? Yep. <laughs> ask Thomas Sowell. Ask the top economists of the world. They'll tell you. But we put our hope in the wrong things. Do we need a protection? Of course we do. Do we need people to stand up against employers that are unfair? Of course we do. But let's not put our hope in the wrong thing. Let's bypass this and say, I work in the kingdom. The kingdom has different rules and different values. You see, when you're integrous, you don't, you don't sell things or do things that harm people as well. The Journal of Medicine in America did a survey with children and they found that 97% of young children, up to the age of about 16, 97% of them recognized the camel man from camel cigarettes. Then they asked children that were younger, how many of them recognized what's called Joe Camel? It's like a cartoon of the camel man. And all of them recognized. Listen to, listen to this. 60% of them thought it was the coolest ad they'd ever seen. 33% said they now smoke camel as their favorite brand. Half of the kids, half of the kids, three to six years old, knew he was from camel cigarettes. And camel said they hadn't targeted children, but they lied. That's why children smoke today, because they've been targeting them since they were children. That's a lack of integrity. Hmm? Selling alcohol to children. That's not good business. Hmm? See, when adults get wise to the fact that cigarettes are bad for you, and you target kids. That's not integrous. Moving right along, number three. I can see some of you are like, oh, I should have stayed in bed. How many are you receiving the word this morning? Church, I wouldn't be doing my duty if I didn't challenge the current worldview. Because I have to preach the Bible, not my opinion. Number three, this is important. If you're gonna create in your working world, then collaborate and value relationships, not only money. I say not only money because it's important to work for money. 
but you need to collaborate, realize we're a team, and we must value people. You say, well, you don't know who I work with. You must see the people I work with. I know you work with, you work with Adam's descendants. <laughs> because right from the beginning, as soon as sin entered the world, guess what happened? The Lord said there'll be enmity. There'll be tension between the man and the woman. And, he's, and, and he will rule over you. At least he'll try. He told the woman that. So there's tension in the garden. Guess what? When you try and work, the Lord says you work by the sweat of your brow. There are gonna be tensions. It's gonna be difficult, but nonetheless, it's what you should do. So when you go to work, you say, I work with people. You must see the people I work with. Come and work at the church. It's not paradise. You know how difficult I am? You have no idea. <laughs> Isn't that true, Kogi? Now, I'm not asking you to agree with that, but the people who work with us. You think coming on church staff, it's all gonna be paradise. All gonna, Hallelujah, good morning, bless you. Oh, I love you, I love you more. No. Who did this? Why did, it wasn't me. They told me and they said, stop making excuses. I'm not making excuses. Don't pray about it, fix it. Uh, how do you think we get things done at this level? Because there's tension from the garden and the Lord says, now you collaborate together and you get past your tensions and you forgive each other and you accomplish my purpose. But some of you are looking for the job. What can I, where can I get, go to get something out of a job? No, no, you bring something to the job. So we gotta collaborate. Hmm? They say everything in the world, I was reading this book, it's called How to Fly a Horse. I mentioned it some months back. Very interesting book, and he, he talks about the collaboration of people in there. And he says a car is an invention of collaboration. Not one person, many people collaborated to make a car. He talks about a Coke tin, or Coca-Cola, but he talks about the Coke tin. And this is what he says about the Coke tin. Listen to this. In order to make an aluminum tin, you have to mine something called bauxite. Then you have to crush it and wash it with sodium hydroxide till you separate the aluminum hydroxide. Then you've got to heat that in a kiln to get alum alumina. Then the alumina has to be dissolved in chrysolite that causes the aluminum to sink at the bottom and then you can make it into a long bar. Then when it's in a long bar, you send it to a foundry and they roll it into a sheet. Then you send it to cutters who cut circles and rectangles and they then print it. Then they fuse it together and all you've got is a tin. And guess what? When we go into the shop to buy a car, why is it so expensive? It just goes up all the time. We forget it's a collaboration of how many people. Next time you pick up a product, the butter, the cheese, you know what it takes? It takes a cow. In a bucket, someone's got to carry it. Someone's got to purify it. Someone's got to mix it. Someone's got to package it. Someone's then got to transport it. Someone's got to put it on the shelf and sell it. And these people rip me off. Come on, man. It's collaboration. When you wake up in the morning, before you even go to work, think of the collaboration. Your phone, peep, 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 peep. Get up, hot water, toothpaste. What does it take to make toothpaste? Put on the radio. Then you get in your car and you drive down the road and all you hear is hooting and traffic and factories. Ah, this place sucks. I wanna go live at the coast. You know, what you're not, you know what you're missing? You're missing the sounds of collaboration. Am I making sense this morning? 
You see, we see everything negatively instead of embracing it. These are people working to make the world what it is. It's by no means perfect, but gosh, thank the Lord we're not living in wooden huts. Hmm? Business is good, and we need to understand that God's got a plan for our lives. Are you with me this morning? Business matters to God. You know, do you know that when we talk about collaboration, do you know that business actually brings people together? Think of a farmer. Farmer, farmers and people who work on BMWs, like mechanics, they are two different worlds, eh? Farmers are generally like, I work on the field, eh? And I'll fix my BMW. The BMW has got things in his ears and he's looking on a computer and he's, they are vastly different. But guess what? The farmer will like the motor mechanic even if he doesn't like motor mechanics because he wants his car fixed. And the motor mechanic will like farmers even if he doesn't speak Afrikaans and he doesn't know anything about farming because he wants sweet corn and tomatoes. So guess what? Suddenly we collaborate for common good whereas life would pull us apart. Don't think that living on a semi-idyllic island or going to live in the country off the grid is ideal. God's put you in a world of collaboration. The more you collaborate, the more meaning you get, the more purpose you get. Thomas Sowell said this. He says, people who decry the fact that businesses are in business just to make money seldom understand the implications of what they're saying. You make money by doing what other people want, not what you want. So don't say to people, you're just in business to make money. No, as though you can do it by yourself. No, you do what people want. And then you make money. Then people criticize you. Number four. Are you being helped? Number four. Invent. When you go to work, invent. Come up with ideas. Imagine if someone could invent a cheap car in South Africa that everybody could afford. Simple to run. Two cylinders. Like the old motorbikes, you pour petrol and oil in the same tank. You take it for a service, how much was that? A hundred bucks, thank you. The poor could be elevated, but we don't think like that, do we? What about houses that could be put up in a week? No, all we complain is about the cracked RDP houses. Instead of someone coming up with an idea where we could produce houses in a factory, put them on a truck, deliver them to the site, cast a slab, and in one week, Auntie Gertie can move in with all their children. Invent. But what we do, we complain. Complain. No, no, we need to be, do you remember Felix the Cat? Felix the Cat in 1932, every time he got an idea, they drew a light bulb. The light bulb now has become synonymous with ideas. We need the lights to go on, church. And Christians, we, need, we, we can get God ideas and improve our country. Can you say Amen. Humans are the only ones who can invent. Animals can't do it. It was Johannes Gutenberg who invented the printing press, the mechanical printing press. He printed a German poem, but his ultimate goal, guess what it was? As a Christian, was to print Bibles. So he used his best presses for Bibles. Today, six billion Bibles are in print. Isn't that amazing? There was a woman who lived in Troy City, New York. And her husband's shirt was always clean, but his collar was dirty. So what she did is she cut the collar off, washed it, and then sewed it back on. She was the first one to invent detachable collars. A pastor saw it, who was retired, 
he ran a little business. He started manufacturing, got women to manufacture these collars, and he started a whole industry. It actually built the entire city of Troy up, the detachable collar industry, just from an idea. What ideas have you got? You remember when the Americans tried to go to space? They were competing with Russia. They had to come up with a ballpoint pen that could write in space because a ballpoint pen works with gravity. The Russians just said, use a pencil. <laughs> you see, it's not so clever because pencils break and a point flying around in a zero gravity environment could get stuck in a machine and you could lose your life. So they spent millions on it. Eventually, the Fisher Company produced one for 23 Rand and the Russians bought it. Someone's got to come up with an idea. And today when you write with a ballpoint pen and you can write upside down with it, it's because of space exploration. Someone invented it. Thomas Sowell said this. You can see he's my friend. <laughs> he said, one of the sad signs of our times is that we have demonized those who produce, subsidized those who've refused to produce, and canonized those who complain. We worship people who complain, but I don't care what you say about life and business. Come up with some answers because it's the people who produce that honor God and those who invent change the world. Number five, trade with confidence. Trade with confidence. You can't do something that you secretly feel is wrong. And making a profit is not a sin. I wanna remind you, if someone sells something for a certain price and you find out they're making a lot of profit, let's say you go into a shop and they're selling a particular, let's say it's a vase or a container of some sort, it's 10 rand. And then someone tells you, oh, you know, I know the guy who makes those, they cost two rand each. And you're like, what? I paid 10 rand for that. They ripped me off. No, they didn't. You were stupid enough to buy it. <laughs> Stop blaming people for you not using your head. It's time you did some research. They didn't rip you off. They deemed the value of that to be 10 rand. You deemed it to be 10 rand and they got it at two rand. They are incredibly good business people. Now for some of you, you're like, whoa. I know what happens until you open a business. I was like that too. When I was a young student, I watch the students now. I'm like, it's amazing how little you know when you're so young and you want to tell the world what to do. Burn down buildings, tell all the government what to do. One day you'll grow up. I opened a business and I suddenly realized, oh my gosh, is this what it's like to be on the other side? To pay rent, pay staff, pay PAYE, pay pension, pay rental, buy materials, and have people come to work late and sit down and have long teas and long lunches. And then I had Christian staff, by the way, and they tell me we were out doing the work of the Lord, preaching on the streets. <laughs> I wanna kill you. Come back two hours later, three o'clock they come back from lunch. Pastor Andre, we were, uh, I wasn't Pastor Andre, we were, we were preaching for Jesus. <laughs> this is what they used to tell me. And you just focused on business. Come here, let me cast out demons out of you. <laughs> you see, when you get to the other side, you suddenly realize, see, profit's not a, if a baker bakes a hundred loaves of bread and it costs him a hundred rand, but he sells each loaf of bread for two rand, he's made a whole hundred rand. But if you think the bread's worth two rand and it's really tasty, what's wrong? He's given you something. He's, he's added wealth. He's created something that wasn't there. By using his skills, why would you call it a ripoff? By the way, what is a reasonable profit? Ooh. 
as we say in the song, ooh la la, ooh la la. Let me read you something from my friend, Thomas Sowell. <laughs> now, are you listening? Because we've only got one minute, 34 seconds left. Ooh la la. He says this, most people who read the Communist Manifesto probably have no idea that it was written by a couple of young men who had never worked a day in their lives and who nevertheless spoke boldly in the name of the workers. Capitalism is not an ism. It is closer to being the opposite of an ism because it's simply the freedom of ordinary people to make whatever economic transactions they can mutually agree to. Many professional athletes and entertainers earn salaries higher than what the vast majority of business owners earn as profits, yet there's no moral indignation from those who are in the business of moral indignation. If obscene profits are what cause pharmaceutical drugs to cost so much, why haven't socialist countries set up their own government-owned pharmaceutical enterprises to produce the drugs more cheaply? And why don't non-profit organizations here do that? So if they're all ripping you off, why haven't they started to produce them cheaper? You need to think. Because you get fed rhetoric all the time in order to stir up your anger to drive you towards an ideology that in the end impoverishes everyone, not just the poor. Number six, I'm gonna close. Serve people. Serve people. You wanna improve the world? Serve people. It was my grandchild's birthday this week and uh, we asked our PA, could you please try and find one of those babies? You know, the baby that drinks and burps and poops and does everything. She wants one of those. So, 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 so Mona goes on the website of Toys Us and she sees one. She phones up the Mall of Africa and she says, have you got one? No, no, we don't have any. She says, your website says you've got stock. Go look. No, we don't have any. Go look. You need to deal with Mona. Don't book with Mona. They go, look, they find it. Why isn't it that they didn't make the effort to look? Because they don't serve people, they occupy a job. Don't occupy a job, serve people. I'm gonna close, on the 4th of January, I was at, at home, you know the at home store? And someone knocked one of those vinegar things, I think it was, over, you know the bottles of vinegar that they sell? Someone knocked it over, Pooh, what a mess. And a lady called Hilda appeared. This is Hilda. Now, Hilda was dressed to the nines. She had a scarf on. She was beautifully made up. Look at her. Her shoes were spotless. But Hilda appeared like a model with a mop and began to mop up the floor. And I was like... So when I said, what's your name? Hilda. I said, Hilda, are you in management? No. I said, how come you're so beautifully dressed yet you don't feel it beneath you to mop the floor? No, I need to serve the customer, she says. I said, can I take a picture of you? Can I take a picture? I'm a pastor. Not a date. <laughs> she said, yes. I said, you know what? I think, you, I think you're management material. She said, why? I said, because Jesus said so. She's thinking like he's going to give me a prophecy. And I said, Jesus said that he did not come to be served, but to serve. And if you want to be great, management material, you need to serve, even though you're well-dressed and well-groomed and clearly on a path.
Our time is up. Have you been helped today? I want to pray with you quickly. We need Jesus in our lives because we can have money and business, but we need Jesus in our lives. And I want to give you a chance to put Jesus in the center of your life because politics will try and change you from the outside, but Jesus changes you from the inside. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 